our speaker this morning uh, probably does not need uh, an introduction, but I want to give him one. Um, I don't have many heroes uh, in life, but this man is one of them. He was my pastor when the Lord called me into the ministry, something that I struggled with for a long time. I did not want to leave my job, my career, and um, the uncertainty of all of that. He walked with me through that journey, guided me and gave me advice, and most of all, loved me. Then, he gave me a chance. Now, I know that Zion had a pulpit committee and all of that when you called me to be your associate and youth pastor. But I know good and well Steve Parker could have stopped it if he wanted to. He gave me a chance. He allowed me to be me, make mistakes, disagree with him at times but still love me, still walked with me on this journey. I call him the Prince of Preachers, not to build him up, but to give glory to God for how he's used him in the ministry all these many years. I asked him to come this week after much prayer because I believe that God has uniquely gifted Dr. Steve Parker to share the Word of God. He's got his lovely wife with him somewhere here today. Um, Miss Brenda, I wouldn't embarrass you, but I'm going to embarrass you. Uh, without her, over these decades of ministry I'm sure that God wouldn't have used him in such a way as he has so thank you for your faithfulness to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ through Steve Parker if you'll open up your heart this morning this man will preach the word of God to you and when we leave Every one of us can be different than when we came for God's glory. So I'm going to shut up talking about him now. Dr. Parker, I just want you to know that you're my mentor. You're one of my heroes. And most importantly, I thank the Lord I can call you my friend. You come, open up the bread of life, and may God get the glory in Jesus' name. went back about 10 years this morning after I left the house and drove this way. And I remember very well this congregation in those days and 
the days of being your pastor and the privilege I have along with my wife to be back with you this morning. And we want you to know that we love you. and We've not forgotten you. We continue to pray for you. And we're so glad that every time someone speaks of Zion Baptist Church, we hear good news instead of bad news. And I'm thankful for that. I want to talk to you just a moment before I bring the message. As I look to my left, and you look to your right, some of you to your left, you'll notice a cross. And you'll notice that there's names of people that you're praying for on that cross. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what Jesus is doing this morning. He's seeking and he's going to save those that are lost that will respond to the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But not only that, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I want to stop and just hesitate there a moment. Jesus said, I didn't say it. Keith didn't say it. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now hear me carefully. If you're following Jesus as you ought to, you're fishing for men. And if you're not fishing for men, you're probably not following Jesus like you ought to be. And Jesus is the example of a soul winner. And this week after this message, tonight and through Wednesday night, I'm going to let you see the example Jesus Christ lead people to himself for salvation. So I want you to be here. I want you to invite lost people to be here. And I believe God will speak to us. He will save the lost. He will reclaim the wayward. He will encourage the saints. And he will challenge you to follow him and be fishers of men. But before we go that far, I want you to take your copy of the mind and the voice of God, and I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to begin the reading at verse 17, and read through verse 25, and I want to speak to you on this subject. The Christ of the cross. This morning I will not be talking about that wooden frame there, but I will be talking about the person that was crucified there, was taken down, put in a borrowed tomb, because he's only going to be there three days and three nights, and on that third glorious morning, he came back to life, and he's alive now, 
and he's alive in the heart of every born-again believer and every lost person here today, he can be alive in your heart in just an instant if you'll turn from your sins and place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen to what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 17, the Bible said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, not foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is God's only plan to save the world. At the cross of Christ, man can find forgiveness of sin and have new life. At the cross of Christ, man can be rescued from the power and the penalty of the sin due to unbelief. At the cross of Christ, man can be born again and pass from death in sin to life, which is eternal. And I got just two or three things I want to say about that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless his wonderful name that man can find Christ at the cross and in his resurrection and be saved. Therefore, I believe it's important for us to understand four truths drawn from this text about the cross of Christ which which are revealed in this passage of Scripture. Number one, I want you to see the person of the cross. Number two, I want you to see the purpose of the cross. Number three, I want you to see the price of the cross. And fourth and finally, I want you to see the power of the cross. Of the cross. Notice with me, if you will, first of all, the person of the cross. It's found in verses 17 through verse 19, and I'll draw from verse 17. Listen to what it says, if you will. For Christ sent me not to baptize, <clears throat> but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ, there it is, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. The person of the cross is none other than Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. 
The Bible says in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the 14th verse of that chapter says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As you look to that cross this morning, I want you to understand that the person Jesus Christ was none other than God Himself in the flesh. Holy God, always been God, still God, and will always be God. God in the flesh. But I want you to know not only was he God in the flesh, but I want you to know he was God's only son. You say, Pastor Parker, how do you know? Well, the Bible tells me so. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, there's a lot of sons going to heaven, but there's only been one son that come from heaven and his name is Jesus Christ and he is the beloved of God the Father. He is his son. As you notice that cross, you remember that it was God in the flesh, but it was also God's only son. And let me say to you thirdly, that he is God's only savior and only Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible teaches me over in the book of Philippians chapter two, verses five through 11, that because Jesus was obedient, obedient even unto death, the death of the cross. The Bible says that God has highly exalted him and give him a name which is above every name and at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is glory to God. I'm glad, thank God, Brother Keith, I settled out of court. I bowed the knee. After that long spell in my life, after that year in Vietnam and in the mental institution and in the VA hospital and all that that I went through in those days, I want you to know on that Thursday afternoon, I want you to know Jesus Christ, God's Son, God in the flesh on the cross, came into my heart and saved me from my sin, saved me from my sin, and I've been saved ever since then. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The person of the cross is Jesus Christ. God himself, God the Son, and God the Savior and Lord. But I want you to notice the second thing that I see in my text this morning, not only the person of the cross, but I want you to see the purpose of the cross. It's found in verse 20 and verse 21. I'll draw from verse 21. Listen to what it says. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, now let me say that again. It says that it will save them that will Believe. If you haven't believed this morning, you need to believe this morning and it'll transform your life and take you from death and trespasses and sin unto, which, unto life which is eternal. Amen? Now I want to say two things and I want you to listen to me carefully. Number one, Jesus, Christ is the way to salvation. You say, Preacher Parker, how do you know that? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 14 in verse number six, his words, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh to the Father but by me. You see, he's the way to the Father because he came from the Father and he knows the way back to the Father. Amen? And he's the truth about the Father. If you see Jesus Christ, you see none other than God in the flesh. Amen? He's the truth about the Father. And ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you this morning that he's the only life you can have to get to the Father. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. But let me say a second thing here. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Let me say that again. Jesus is the only way to salvation. You say, Pastor Parker, how do you know that? Well, I'm a Bible preacher and I've studied it for many years. And the Bible says in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other name, for there's no other name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. Paul said it this way, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul came to preach the message, the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. I'm going to say some things, probably rub some of you wrong. That's all right. Come back tonight and I'll rub you back the other way, okay? Listen to me. I want to say three things that fits in this liberal culture in which we're living in. Let me say it forcefully, but let me say it lovingly one more time. Jesus said, I am. He didn't say I was, I'm going to be. He said, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Listen to me. There's no side roads of religion. We've got a lot of people in our churches today and some here that are very religious, but they're still lost. You say, Preacher Parker, how do you know? Well, let's go back to Nicodemus for just a moment, if you will. And you know Nicodemus came to Christ with all of his credentials, did he not? He came by night. Now, some of our theologians wonder why he came by night. I could care less. I'm just glad, thank God, he came, and I'm glad some of you came, amen? And he presented his credentials to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him out of a loving heart and said to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. In other words, your religion, your credentials, and who you are doesn't matter. You've got to have me, and having me is a new birth. And when you have a new birth, then you have life which is eternal. And I believe Nicodemus was born again by the Spirit of God because later on we find him bringing that ointment, if you would, to the burial place of the Lord Jesus, and he also took the body there with him. So I believe Nicodemus understood what Jesus was saying. He said, you've got to be born born again. You got to be born of the flesh. That's the first time, but you got to have a second birth to get to heaven. And that is a spiritual birth. And Jesus Christ is the one who brings that birth into your life. So listen to me, you that are religious, your religion will take you to hell. You've got to have a relationship. Now I know the culture well. I studied, I understand it. I live in some of it. And these liberal theologians, these liberal preachers will tell you that he's not the only way to heaven, but I'm telling you he's the only way. Religion will not get you there. You've got to be born again. Amen? 
But let me say a second thing. There'll be no, there'll be no back roads of good works. You say, Preacher Parker, how do you know that? Well, if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22, it talks about those people that have prophesied, cast out devils, and done many wonderful works. Isn't that what the text says? It says that, and Jesus said to them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Many are still trying to balance the scales. Or oh, if I can do just a little more good than I did bad, God will let me in. I got news for you. God won't let you in because of your works. He'll only let you in through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, religion, good works. Paul had those good works, did he not? Think about that. The apostle Paul had a lot of good works as far as religion is concerned, did he not? But on the road to Damascus, he met a man. That man was Jesus. And on that day, Saul became the apostle Paul and said, I didn't come to be baptized. I came to preach the gospel. Preachers and people get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach it in power and demonstration. Teach it in power and demonstration. Give people a testimony. Give people a witness. Get back to the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that's going to save people from this hell-bent world in which we live in. Ed, I lit the fuse. Religion, hear me, I'm serious. Your religion will take you to hell. You've got to have a relationship. Your works will not get you into heaven. But there's a third thing I see. I see also that there's no broad roads of good behavior. God didn't, came, God didn't send Jesus to save the good. He, came to, he sent Jesus to save the bad. <laughs> Amen? That's what he did for me. Amen? But you've got a lot of folks that can walk the walk and they can talk the talk and they can come to the church and they can give a little bit and they can act like they're a Christian. They have the jargon down pat and they don't know the first thing about a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're depending on their good behavior to get them to heaven. I'm glad I didn't have that problem because mine was wicked. Mine was ruined. Mine was a basket case. Mine couldn't be helped. The doctors couldn't help me. My mama couldn't help me. My daddy couldn't help me. My wife couldn't help me. My family couldn't help me. My behavior and my religion, which I didn't have any of, and even my works counted for absolutely nothing. But I want to say to you again, and I want to make it clear, that Thursday afternoon in the green carpet in the living room in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, after six and a half years of being in a drunken stupor and locked away in the mental institute, part of that time, Jesus Christ came in into my life. I didn't need religion. I don't need works and I don't need behavior. Bless God, I've got a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says nothing can separate me from the love of God. It is permanent. I am eternal. I'm in Him and He's in me and we're in God and that's all that matters. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now don't you try that because you'll break His ankle. You've got to get in the Spirit to do that. Laughter opens the windows of your heart that you can hear. Thus saith the word of the Lord. So we see, first of all, 
the person of the cross. Secondly, we see the purpose of the cross. And the purpose is the cross provides salvation for all who will believe in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Thirdly, the price of the cross. It's found in verse 22 and verse 23. I'll draw from those two verses. Notice what he says. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But, that's an important word in the word of God, but. We preach Christ crucified, put to death, killed. Peter told them on the day of Pentecost, you have denied him and you have killed the prince of life. But he said you did it in ignorance and he's willing to wink at that, but all must repent and come to Christ. That's what the Bible says. Notice it says, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. Let me show you three things I think are important here. Number one, Jesus Christ crucified. Christ became sin for us. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? The Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? Then if he is, and he is, the perfect sinless lamb of God, why is he dying on a cross? He became your substitute. He became my substitute. He became our substitute. And there he died in our stead for sin. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone unto his own way and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took the sins of the world upon him and died one time, thank God, and finished the deal. How do you know? Because on the third day he was resurrected. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God made his son something that he hates to make us something that he loves. Oh glory to God. I'm glad he took my place at Calvary. I'm glad he put my sins and your sins and the sins of the world on Jesus on Calvary's cross. And ladies and gentlemen, hear me. The deal has been paid in full. There's nothing you can do except believe the debt is paid in full. And you say, how do you know that? Because the Father looked down at what happened on the cross. And when Jesus come out of the grave, he said, amen. Think about that. He became your substitute. Just like that pitcher is not having a good day on the mound, you know. And when he's not having a good day, you'll see the pitching coach come out and he'll signal something like this and the left-hander may leave and the right-hander becomes his substitute. That's exactly what Jesus did on Calvary's cross for you. He died in your stead and the sin debt is paid in full. But secondly, I want you to know that Christ 
shed his blood for us. For as much as you know that you will not redeem the corruptible things as such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Hallelujah. That afternoon when he saved me, the blood was applied and he's never looked at me in the same way again. When he sees me now, he sees his son and his righteousness and I'm in him and he's in God and that pretty well seals the deal. Can I get a little help this morning? Don't you leave me up here by myself. Amen. You think about it. The blood that he shed at Calvary and honey, he didn't shed one drop of blood for you. He shed all the blood for you. You say, preacher, how do you know? Well, I got cut the other evening on my thumb and you know there was a couple drops of blood came out of it, but I continued to live. Uh. The songwriter's not right and say this one drop. Ladies and gentlemen, he shed all of his blood on Calvary's tree because the Bible teaches us that life is in the blood and the blood's in the life and when the blood's gone, life is over, amen? He shed his blood. Now listen to me. If you've been born again by the Spirit of God, I want to encourage you this morning. He never sees you again. As far as your sin question is concerned, he never sees you again. He sees his righteousness in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who you are in according to the book of Colossians. And the book of Colossians says, he's all you need. Amen. Hear me this morning. The blood... Now, I know, I know these liberal theologians. I'm, I'm going to take my time. It's not 12 o'clock, and I'm going to preach till about 1230 anyway, so just hang on. <laughs> you think about all that blood that was shed in the Old Testament. Think about it. These liberal theologians, these TV prosperity preachers will tell you, well, y'all oughtn't talk about the blood. You oughtn't talk about that slaughterhouse religion. You ought to take it out of song books you ought to sing about it. You hear Preacher Parker and you hear him well this morning. He was looking for blood in the Old Testament and he'll be looking for blood in the New Testament. And ladies and gentlemen, if you've not been covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're still in your sin. You say, Preacher, you believe that, don't you? Oh, yes, bless God I do. I'm glad he don't see me anymore in my struggles and my blunders. I'm glad I have a fellowship with him that he takes care of all that. But he never looks on me for sin anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just as clean as I can be before a holy and a righteous God. But not because of who I am, but because of the blood that he atoned, with, atoned me with from Calvary's tree. Listen. Jesus gave his life for us. You know what the Bible says over in John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18? It says something like this. He said, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. He said, I lay it down and I can take it up again. 
Now listen to me carefully. He said, no man has the power to take it from me. But I have power to lay it down. And thank God he had power to take it up again. You say, preacher, do you really believe Jesus lives today? Well, sure I do. Well, why do you believe that? Because I read it in the Word of God. But I talked to him this morning, and he talked to me. I know he's alive. And I know he's here this morning. And I know he's speaking to hearts this morning. He's speaking about his crucifixion. He's speaking about the blood that he shed. He's talking about becoming sin for us. He gave his life for us. Think about that. Think about that. For scarcely put a man give his life for a good man. But while we were yet sinners, Christ gave his life for you and for me. Mm. Would I lay down my life for you? I kind of doubt it. Would you lay down your life for me? Nope. But I want you to know that John 3.16 is real. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He that believeth in him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already. Now let me move to my fourth and final thing. Not only do I see the person of the cross, the purpose of the cross, and the price of the cross, but I want you to see the power of the cross. It's found in verse 24 and verse 25. Now let me just say this in preference to what I'm going to say. If you've never been changed, you've never been born again. Just that simple. Just that simple. If you've never been changed, you've never been born again by the grace of God. We live in a culture today where people talk about them being Christian and live worse than the devil. How can that be? That's a contradiction in terms, is it not? If you've been born again, there's going to be a change in your life. Listen to me carefully. Christ is the power of the cross in producing new creatures. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And he also sets them free. John 8 and 36 says, If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Now that doesn't mean that you're free to do anything you want to. That means that he freed you from the power of sin. Amen? Now listen to three things I want to say to you. He set you free, first of all, from the guilt of sin. The guilt and the penalty of sin, if you will. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace came that Thursday. Peace has been there ever since. Peace about the sin question. My sins are gone. He has forgotten them. He will never remember them anymore. And bless God, I'm not going back and wallowing them like some people does. They're gone. Amen? Think about that. 
Before that day, I was guilty before a holy and a righteous and a just God. Listen, in that year in Vietnam, he could have took me any time. And ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you, it wouldn't have been a good scene. Now you think about that. People say, well, preacher Parker, why do you get excited? You said almost 72 years. Why do you still get excited about the God? Because he saved me from my sin and gave me everlasting life. That life came in that moment and I've been eternal ever since that moment. You think about that. Now, I'm going to stand before God in the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to give an account of what I've done with my life from the time I was born again until the time I die, but I'll never face my sin. I settled out of court as I told you a while ago. Amen? Think about that. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Ed, aren't you glad we're in? Amen. Keith, aren't you glad? Kevin, aren't you glad we're in? In Christ, who's in God, and he's all we need. But let me say a second thing, if you will. Not only does it free us from the guilt and the penalty of sin, but it, see, it, it sets us free from the power of sin. Now, I want to labor this just a moment. The Bible says in Romans 6 and 14, sin shall have no more dominion over you. Now, let me change that and Parker paraphrase that, if you will. Sin will have no more authority over you. Now, I want you to understand that in those drunken days and that Vietnam experience and the mental institute and the VA hospital, I had no power over sin. When that liquor bottle spoke, I was obedient. When the devil told me to say something I shouldn't say, I said it. You say, Preacher Parker, why did you do that? All of my behavior came from the devil who was my father at that time. You get all upset over lost people doing what lost people do. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all lost people can do is what lost people can do. Amen? But that afternoon, I want you to know it all changed. I want you to know in the moment of time, sin had no more authority over my life. That liquor bottle still spoke, but when it spoke, I could say, no, I'm not going there. (laughs) Hallelujah, I'm not going there. He saved me from that. He didn't save me in that or do that again. He saved me from that, amen? Can I get a little help this morning? Don't go to sleep, I'm not through. I'm not through. When that started to my mouth that I knowed I should not say, I want you to know he didn't wash my mouth out with with, with, uh, soap. I want you to know he used Clorox. And you'll never hear Proctor Parker unless he slips very courageously. You'll never hear him hear a slang word. You've dressed up those cuss words with a slang word and you use them instead of the cuss word. It's still sin. And he's delivered you from sin. You're free from sin. Now think about that for a moment. Think about it. I don't have to sin. Amen? He has no more authority over my life. 
So that means I can get up in the mornings and meet with God. I can do what God wants me to do in prayer and in Bible study. And I can walk out of that study saying, Lord, today I don't want to sin against you. And he's going to give me the authority over sin. And I can say to the devil, you go back to hell. I'm not going to listen to you. Here's what the word says. The word says you're a liar. And I believe what the word said. And I'm not going there. Can I get a little help this morning? Amen. You say, preacher, I don't talk to the devil. Well, bless God, you might ought to start. Listen to me. What my point is this. We've got too many people today that are walking around talking about them being a... You know, as a matter of fact, Keith, I found out later that everybody's a Christian. Everybody you talk to is a Christian. And I'm thinking, well, there's something funny about this. Some of them are living worse than the devil. They want to talk about being a Christian. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. There's a transformation takes place when God moves into your life. And for these over 40 years now, I'm still working on things, but he's still delivering me. Amen? Let me move on quickly. My time is gone. He set us free from the guilt of sin. He set us free from the power of sin. Paul's a perfect example of that, is he not? Amen? Then lastly, I want to say to you, he set us free from the fear of death. He set us free from the fear of death. Psalm 23, 4 says it this way, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now listen to me, and listen to me carefully. There in, on that mountaintop, 500 and something shells came in one night. I could have died there. And I was afraid. If you go to war and come back and tell me you wasn't afraid, I want a long conversation with you. I got some things to tell you. Amen. 558 rounds, about that long and about that big around, came in on that far base of soldiers trying our best to hide and shoot at the same time. And ladies and gentlemen, I was afraid. I was afraid. I was going to die. I was afraid I was going to have to meet God, not knowing how I was going to meet him and what condition my soul was really in. I got so scared I could crawl up under that steel pot and it ain't but about that big around. I'd get up close to them sandbags, Brother Wade, and I'd hug them things and I'd say, oh God, don't let me go today. Don't let me go today. Please, God, don't let me go today. Let me live through this mess. I want to go home. And I'm thankful to God by the grace of God that he let me come home. But I was afraid to die. I was afraid to die. But I got some good news for you this morning. I'm not going to die. You say, oh yes, preacher, you are. No, bless God, I'm not. I might change addresses, but I'm not going to die. Death has no power over me. Death has no authority over me. Listen, this is the way it's going to happen, and I'm through. Yea, yes, I'm going to walk through the valley. I'm going to walk through. I'm not going to take a break, not going to get a nap, not going to drink a cherry wine, just not going to take a break. I'm going to walk through. Now listen to me. 
I'm trying to help you. Listen to me. Walk through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of a dog can't bite me. The shadow of a car can't run over me and hurt me. It's just a shadow, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to walk. Ain't that right, Shane? Shane's got this down pat. I've said it so many times. Listen, I'm going to walk. Not no big hurry. I'm going to walk through. I'm going to walk through the valley. The valley of the shadow of death. Brother Ed, listen to me. I'm going to look up at death right square in the face. And I'm going to say, death, look who's with me. Some of you didn't get that, did you? Some of you still out there on La La Land, you didn't get that. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I don't have to fear death anymore. Now listen, listen to me carefully. I've said all this and all I'm going to say this week, you've probably heard it before, but I'm going to say it one more time. You're going to pick up the newspaper one of these days. You're going to read the obituary. It's going to say, Steve Parker has died. (laughs) It ain't going to happen. I know that ain't good English, but it ain't going to happen. This old suit is going to fold up. These old stammering lips are going to get silent. But hopefully before they do, I'm going to record a witness and have it put uh, in my coffin in a CD form where they can play it as you pass by. Amen. Hey, I'm not going to die. The devil doesn't get that privilege, honey. I'm just going to change addresses. You think about the Christ of the cross, the person of the cross, the purpose of the cross, the price of the cross, and the power of the cross. Hallelujah! For the power of God Almighty in salvation, he set me free. And I'm free indeed from sin and I'm free to live for him so I close with these thoughts what will you do with Jesus neutral you cannot be because someday your heart will be asking what will he do with me I ask you this morning, have you been to the cross? Have you really been to the person of the cross, Jesus Christ? Have you bowed your knees before him in humility and said, God, I'm a sinner. You've convicted me of my sin. And Lord, today by faith, if you'll help me, I'm going to repent of my sins and I'm going to put my faith in you, in your death, in your burial, and your resurrection. And oh Lord, I want you to come into my life. And I want you to save me for your glory. And the Bible says in Romans 10 and 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Dear lost friend, let me ask you something at this point. Can you give me one logical or reasonable reason why you wouldn't come to Christ this morning? Interesting, isn't it? Can you give me one, just one? Holding up two fingers, I'll get one. One. Can you give me one reasonable logic answer for not coming to Christ this morning and being saved?
wayward child, it's time for you to come back to the cross, not rededicating your life because it don't belong to you. It belongs to him. You need to come in repentance and making a new commitment to serve our Lord. Then Christian, don't you think it's time we just find us an old-fashioned place in an altar, lift our hands before God and say, oh God, thank you for the cross of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for saving an old wretch like me. What I want to do this morning is invitation is this first two verses. I'm going to ask you that don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You may not be sure you know him as Savior. I'm going to ask you to get up where you're at. I'm going to come and ask you to meet the Lord Jesus Christ here at this altar. We have pastors here who will be glad to share uh, uh, the gospel with you. We want you to come to know Christ. After those two verses, then if you're wayward, I want you to come on the third verse. And then the fourth verse, oh Christian, I'm going to ask all of us to come and in this meeting this morning, just in an old-fashioned way of thanking God for salvation, lifting our hands to him. Listen, I don't know about you, but bless God, I'm thankful that I'm saved. I'm glad that Jesus Christ paid the price on Calvary's tree for me. I'm glad of that. I'm going to be glad until the day I see him. And then I'm going to be gladder than I am glad today when I do see him. What about you? Bible says he's calling tenderly. He's calling you. Heavenly Father, I've brought the message. I've worked bringing this message. And Lord, I believe it's the message of the hour. But I've done all I can do. Now I'm going to believe you that the word will not come back void. I'm asking you to draw that one that's without Christ today to an old rugged cross. And may they come today and receive the person of the cross as their Savior. That wayward child would come home. And then the saints would come rejoicing. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.